Good afternoon, everyone, and Happy New Year. I'll call the meeting of Monday, January 9th, 2023, to order at uh, 2 p.m. sharp. And uh, we will go right into our work session. Discussion regarding potential uh, ballot uh, propositions and going to ask uh, who's presenting to us today. Good, good, good. All right, Jason. All right. Good afternoon, Mayor and Council. Uh, per direction received uh, the last um, meeting, we wanted to prepare you for uh, some options for your May 2023 election. Uh, deciding if you, if you want to move forward with an election in May uh, regarding the type A sales tax. The current authorization, the use of that type A sales tax is for uh, primarily uh, primary jobs, industrial, manufacturing, those types of things. And so there is an option available through state law to amend that the use and, and offer additional flexibilities and uses for that type A. And so tonight we have Julie Partain uh, with us with Bracewell and can answer some more technical questions and um, advise us on, on how we may move forward if council so wishes. So in order to hold an election in May of 2023, these are some things that we have to consider. The deadline to call that election is actually February 17th. We have a council meeting just before that on the 13th, which will, um, if we do move forward, that's when you would consider an ordinance to adopt, uh, to, to call that, that election. And then there has to be a public hearing sometime prior to the May election, and that only item that you have to consider for that is that there's a 30-day notice of that of when that item is going to be um, heard so if you want to do a, a a ballot measure there's really two things that we're asking you to, to consider number one would be to vote to give the type a corporation certain type b powers which we've talked about in the past and that's more broad in, in category and, and what those projects would be. Um, there is some discussion, I'll let Julie mention what those might be with the Attorney General's office on how those propositions are, are shown on a ballot. And then there's another option in state law that allows you to use your existing type A sales tax for a sport venue project and related infrastructure. And that's a little more broad than it sounds because there are options to include restaurant, retail, hotel, infrastructure associated with a sport venue, multi-sport venue. And so we wanted to, to outline kind of those two, those two bullets, those two points uh, to, for you to consider. And then on our next slide, there's actual language. But before we get there, let me talk a little bit about the messaging that we want to make sure we um, make very clear to the public is that this is not a new tax increase. This would be uh, an authorization to utilize an existing tax that we have and, and make it more flexible. So it's not a new sales tax or property tax, it's just taking the existing funds that you have today and letting the council direct those funds in a more flexible manner. And so if you go to the next slide, we have two, based on the, the two options that we've uh, mentioned before, these are some examples uh, that staff has kind of put together and the Bracewell team has, has reviewed. There's, these are just examples. The actual language uh, would have to be 
uh, amended slightly uh, based on their, in, their input from the Attorney General's office, but these, these are the options. Number, the first one is to authorize a more broad use uh, for Type B projects as it relates to purchasing land, uh, the different types of facilities that you can, you can uh, fund, as well as the infrastructure. The second one is the sports venue, and you can see that relate the, the term related infrastructure as defined in the chapter 334, that outlines the different uh, retail, restaurant, hospitality components that that chapter provides. So I'm gonna stop there and ask Julie if you're wanting to, if you have any clarifications or if what I said was legally accurate. <laughs> Always a dangerous question to ask a lawyer. Um, so we did talk to the city about authorizing your 4A to be able to do some 4B projects. There's a provision in state law that allows you to vote that. It says you have to vote a project or a category of projects. We've reached out to the Attorney General when we do uh, things like this, knowing that ultimately you're probably gonna finance off of that sales tax. We wanna make sure that the AG agrees with the way we've interpreted the statute and with what your proposition looks like. We've reached out to them, I don't know their answer yet. What we have argued to the AG is that you should be able to vote in one proposition the ability to do multiple things that you could do under the 4B, which would include uh, convention center facilities, park, recreation, all of those things as a category of projects. Um, if they agree that we can vote it that way, then that would open up your 4A sales tax to be able to finance and pay for some of the things that your 4B currently has the ability to do. The second proposition has to stand on its own. That's a sports venue. Um, that would be if you wanted to do a professional sports stadium of some sort. Um, in that language, um, as he mentioned, when you use the term related infrastructure, that is a loaded word. It includes Mesh. all kinds of things that you could do around a venue, which would include streets and restaurant and retail and those kinds of things. It's a very broad definition that would allow you to do a, a professional sports stadium with a bunch of stuff around it. So those are the two things we talked to the city about. Um, Obviously, you have to call your election by February 17th, and then you have to have a public hearing, and it kicks off a series of steps that have to be taken. Once you call the election, you can't really uncall it, so um, you want to be sure when you call on February 13th that you want to have the election in May, and that sets, off, sets us off down the road toward uh, putting it on the ballot. Um, as soon as we hear back from the Attorney General about their agreement or non-agreement with how we've interpreted the statute, then we'll know for sure how the uh, language will go and we'll work with city staff and with Joe on what's the best way to put the language forward to give you the most um, flexibility as possible um, for using that, those 4B projects and your 4A money. But that's kind of the nutshell. If you have any questions in particular, I'm happy to answer. All right, on my right, Ms. Baum. So, so proposition one mm -hmm. and two are separate. Correct. And so we're going to be asked to consider if we want to do both or if we want to do one or the other, correct? I think that's what staff is asking you, Okay. Um, what, what right. you want to do. Okay, correct. thanks. You could do both, you could do one, or you could do the other, correct. Tamara, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Ms. Bowen, I'm sorry. I would like... <sighs> So number two, <clears throat> number one, number two is could not be inclusive if we decided what buildings were and buildings happened to be a sports venue. Is that problematic? It is, yes. So the way the statute reads, um, your 4B has the, has the ability to do professional and amateur athletic facilities, but the way that has been interpreted by the AG in the past is that
that would not include a place where you charged admission, right? Mm -hmm. To do that, to do a professional stadium where you charged admission to see a game, you would need to vote that separately as a sports venue. So if you don't vote to, and you want to build a professional sports stadium where they charge tickets to watch it, I don't think that one would get you there. I think you'd have to have the other. And, and then, knowing that about number two, what has presidents been out there in, in Texas for something like that? Is it pretty favorable, or is it like raising an eyebrow because you're charging money for tickets and you can recoup a certain no, amount? No, um, if you think about the, uh, the minor league baseball stadium in Cleburne, that was built with 4A, a 4A financing. They had an election on the 4A to authorize a, a professional baseball stadium just like this under this statute and they financed it that way. It's very similar to a venue project, which is another statute like the Cowboys or the Rangers, which is also a separate vote that lets you do that. So I don't, I guess it just depends on what your citizens want, but it's not unprecedented. I, I like the idea of both myself. I say go for the gusto. All right, all right. Go ahead, Mr. Bronx, and I'll come back to my left. Y'all have questions. Okay, Mayor, thank you. Uh, I'm just wondering why it could not be included in, in the number one, just say the uh, expanded business development or recreational it, it could. Um, I, I don't think the language would look just like this when you do one. I think it would it would include all of those 4B authorizations. It would say there is language in the statute that we would be quoting, right, that talks about um, parks, open space. Um, I think it says, I sent it to you, but I don't have it in front of me, um, convention center facilities, tourism, and there's one more. I can't remember what it is, but I think that it would all be listed in number one. It would be more than just this. Um, it would give you everything that I think the statute would let you vote together if the AG agrees with us. All right, Ms. Short. I just want to make sure I'm understanding clearly the, the answer from uh, Councilman Brosh. We could sum it all up in one. If the AG agrees with us, but I don't know that answer yet. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Go ahead, Mr. Casey Lewis. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I do think as far as the messaging and pieces are concerned, it's also important to recognize that this tax that we're discussing was elected, I believe in 1992 or 96, one or the other. Um, and at that time, our sales tax funds were six figure funds. We were trying to recruit, get some jobs in town. It was a much different place when that was put in place. I don't know if when voters elected to, to put that in place, they ever realized that this was going to be a 9, 10, 12, 15 million dollar a year fund, um, which is the path that we're very rapidly on today with sales tax dollars. And because of the current structure that we have to spend that money in, we have to spend it on things that bring 18 wheelers to town. And um, that's just, that's what we have to spend it on, which then causes road issues and all the things that we all know that we don't necessarily want to see. So I think that's an important piece is that we can still recruit businesses and, and actively, but we don't we don't need $10 million a year to do that. Um, and so this is a an opportunity to get Mansfield residents the things that they do want that we've talked about with convention centers, hotels, um, things to do um, in the city uh, without raising taxes, without causing property tax burdens, all of those things. So I think that's an important piece that we need to make sure this communicate really well is that not you you said it but just to really drive home like if you if we don't have this flexibility then we have to spend 10 million dollars a year 
to get 18 wheelers into town. Like that's those are what we're asking. Um, as far as the the two options here, um, is there any concern with option two of naming a something like a professional multi-sport venue on the ballot? And uh, say my concerns with it. The first is that if voters do approve it, they automatically then expect that we're building something. I think it goes to the Grand Prairie thing where the, you know their their charter prohibits mass transit, but if they were to put it on a ballot to change the charter, then everybody's going to think all of a sudden they're getting mass transit. The city's not doing that. It, I think it'd be the same here. Voters go approve something that says specific allows these funds to be authorized for a multi-sport venue, but then if the plans that we've been looking at maybe don't work out or we decide you know what we need an arts venue instead are we now locked in with the use of the funds did we lose flexibility with it by naming a specific type of project so there's a legal question in there and there's a policy question in there okay. um, the legal question is if you vote in a professional multi-sport venue right then that's all you can issue bonds and spend money on. You are you are locked into that language. So if you said later, well, we really want to we really want to use our tax and we want to fund a performing arts center, you can't. That does not get you there, right? You, the language does limit you. I think your policy question is, do we put it on the ballot if we don't have a current plan or we don't have a current project or we don't have a commitment, or whatever? And that's more of a policy question for the council to decide whether or not that makes sense to vote it. And I don't know where you are. You may have one lined up. I'm not sure. But that's more of a policy question. But the legal question is you are limited by the language. You couldn't flip it later. Would it be possible then to do something like, ideally, Councilman Brosh's point, if the AG agrees with you and you can lump it all in in one, we would have the flexibility to say yeah. what, what it looks like, right? Um, depending on when the opportunity comes and the timing and make good financial, fiscal respons responsible decisions, all of that. Right. Um, but if you had that one, then you at least have given authorization for everything for the roads that maybe service that area without a specific project in mind, but the road, the infrastructure, the, all, of, all of the ancillary things. And if you did have to go out and vote separately, then you could take, once you had something more concrete, you could take that to the voters at that time, but you've at least already secured the funds that they're not going into the 4A bucket. Did that question make sense? So, in your proposition one, you are going to vote that as you hopefully the AG agrees with that you're going to vote that as broad as possible. That would give you some ability to do um, things other than your stadium. If you're asking me, can I go ahead and under Prop A build everything but the stadium? It really depends on whether or not it fits into the category of projects. So it would have to fit in. Maybe, yes. Maybe you could do roads to a professional stadium. You just couldn't do the stadium itself because you couldn't finance something that doesn't have, that doesn't, that uh, charges for admission. Per perhaps. You can't, I mean, two is specifically for a sports venue, period, right? So you can't mm -hmm. make it broader sports, sports um, venue or entertainment venue. You can't do that because it's the definition of a sports venue does not include like a performing arts center or something like that. So, Yes, and obviously the city can also use its other authority, you know, COs, whatever, if you wanted to build infrastructure to the area um, and then and then vote the other project later. You could do that, if I that mean, makes sense. The, the big one piece for me, if we're talking about a May election, is I, I want to, as quickly as possible, stop the 4A funds from going to a bucket of money that do things that we don't want them to do. We don't, we don't, 
I mean, we, we obviously care about primary jobs and manufacturing right. and doing that, but not to the tune of $10 million a year or whatever the budget's gonna be for the upcoming years. Um, and so to get as much flexibility and use out of those funds this May, <coughs> is there a, anything that would allow us to do that without having to name a specific project? Because we may not have a, any specific projects today lined up for what those could be. Well, you notice in the language it says um, authorize your use tax, including all amounts previously authorized, right? So that would mean any money you have sitting in your 4A accounts today, you could flip them and use them for a new voted purpose, Scoot. right? I mean, the 4A can't spend money without your approval, right? So at the, at the end of the day, you, you are in charge of what the 4A ultimately spends money on and whether or not they issue your debt for anything. So from that standpoint, you can sort of stop the spending or control the spending with respect to what the 4A does, and you can wait until this passes. And once it passes, you can allocate any money you have on hand um, to this new project. Now, obviously, you have other 4A debt outstanding, and you know, you'll know have to work with the financial advisor on what to do about that with respect to capacity and all of that kind of stuff sure, and how you yeah. layer out the debt over time. Sure. Um, but <coughs> you, you ultimately are in charge of what the 4A does. You have approval rights to it. So I, I, I feel like you're asking, can, can I keep them from spending money out from under me? But they can't really spend money out from under you. I, not really spending out from, from out from under us, just more if if it stays in its current state, that is where the money is going to go. Correct. Regardless if it's this council or any future council, that's where the money has to go until it gets changed. I would like to sooner rather than later get that flexibility in place. Right. Um, because it does, it, even if it doesn't go towards this sports project, but allows us to relieve some of I don't know what all the uses are available. Let's just say it let, relieves some funds out of the general fund that are obligated in other places today, and we're able to use these funds to offset that. That does have a direct impact on the people that live here through either property tax relief or relief general fund budget that then goes to, for essential services. Um, now, currently, your 4A does have the ability to fund infrastructure to commercial areas. That, that, is, that is possible. That, that, you have that right now in your 4A, so that doesn't change to the extent you use that money to help offset um, general fund money. Okay, let me, uh, yeah. let me do this. Let, let me, let's hear from Mr. Tenora also. Go ahead, Tom, you have a word. Yeah, <clears throat> I, believe, I believe flexibility is, is exactly what we need. Uh, we're, uh, on the type A side, lost my train of thought there but uh, again we've, we've got to be able to compete with our neighboring cities that aren't restricted on type a money and so I'm all for I'm all for this I think it's it, our if our neighbors and citizens understand it totally it's it's a it's a no-brainer uh, we definitely need to need the flexibility all the current type a debt will still be serviced out of the type A fund. I think that's important for folks to know. We're basically talking about the excess. The excess money that future sales dollars represents is what we're trying to have flexibility on versus just spending it on industrial. So uh, I think if the message is clear, uh, we definitely, this council and future councils need the ability to compete with our neighbors. I get a lot of people saying, why can't we? Why can't we have this or that? And we need to have that flexibility to be able to provide those venues to them. Uh, I'm for combining them if we can get the wording right. Yeah, uh, I understand. I totally understand 
why you would or wouldn't list multi-sport venue. Uh, so hopefully we can come up with a way to word it properly where we would have the, have the flexibility. And again, Julie, you, you all are uh, pursuing that um, language now. So I, I think in regard to a consensus, you're, you're hearing two things. One is if we can combine them. The other is if we can have more flexibility in regard to, uh, to those terms so that we won't be pigeonholed just for, for that and uh, find ourselves in a situation where five, six years down the road we haven't built what we have stated on that proposition, so, all right. So I, th I think that's key, so we'll, we'll be waiting to hear from you. Okay. Bated breath to see if we can make that happen. Okay. All right, appreciate you, Ms. Partain. All right, all right. Council, in regard to um, other propositions, um, I've been talking with some of our veterans in the area, and uh, of course we still have still have a heart to, uh, they do, and I'm with them, just want to know your heart regarding uh, building the uh, Veterans Memorial as well as uh, Miracle Field, bringing that back before uh, the voters. Sure want to hear, uh, get your input on that, if that's something that uh, you all would like to do. Go ahead, Mr. Chenoit. Yeah, I personally think we owe it to our veterans and our, our uh, folks that are, that are handicap to provide these types of uh, facilities to our citizens, especially, Mayor, if we can figure out a way to do it without increasing our tax rate. Not a doubt. And if there's any way possible we can put it on the ballot without increasing our tax rate, let our citizens make that decision. So uh, with, when it was on the prior propositions, naturally, I think the tax rate was at risk, but if we can figure out a way to do it without that, I think we owe it to these folks to put it on there. All right. All right. All right. I've got heads nodding, heads nodding, and I, heads nodding. Go ahead, my friend. Mr. Lewis? I, I would uh, support putting this on the ballot in a drastically reduced state from the first time we went out. We went out for the full thing. I think it was $7 million at the, the time. Right. That's probably in today's dollars, like. $47 million. Oh, shit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Not quite. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the, uh, you know, that, that phase one, get, sure. get something on the ground. Um, it's not going to be the full thing, but the Veterans Foundation at least has something that, that is a starting point that can be built on. Um, and I think that's probably more feasible and something that voters could swallow a lot easier is the two and a half, three million dollar range without a tax rate increase to build a veterans memorial. Um, I, think, I think if we're going to be putting propositions on a ballot, then this would be one that I would want to add. Appreciate you. Go, Go ahead, ahead Mr. Bross. You took the words right out of my mouth. Gotcha. All right, so if we could look at, at, at a phased approach, um, I, I think that um, just in my own conversations with uh, Mr. Milligan and his group, um, you, you see something in front of you now uh, where we could at least have the different branches represented and um, some of the, the, the water features, that kind of thing. I think it'll be something good for us to look at. Mr. Smolinski. Mayor, I think we're getting the direction we need to come back at the next meeting with uh, the direction, I think, on the previous one with type A. We'll hopefully be able to come back with language that has all of those combined, gives you the greatest flexibility with one single ballot proposition. 
If not, we'll have the language for both of them for you to consider at that time and give us direction. With regard to the Veterans Memorial, my understanding is that you'd like for us to go ahead and prepare uh, a, a potential bond proposition that has a scaled down version of this with phase one maybe that we looked at during the original uh, yes. presentations uh, and prepare that for potential uh, ballot before the, the voters. That's my understanding so far. All right, I'm getting head nods. Right, go ahead. Mr. Mayor, Snow. I think it's also important that our citizens understand that both these propositions are, are the city already owns the property. Yes. We ought to have the property in place and so it's not like we're going to go out and purchase new property for these these two new venues. Exactly. And I believe that you mentioned earlier, and you are right, that we definitely want to state that uh, we're not talking about raising taxes at all. Understood. So uh, it would be good to have that language on there, and I think it'll pass. Um, I think it'll pass with flying colors. All right. So thank you very much. So that's that would be one, two, three. We're talking about um, Veterans Memorial. Miracle Field, as well as the um, 4A tax uh, piece. All right. So, Mayor, what Go he's ahead. flipping through right now. Yes. Can somebody come down to the podium and present these, please? So, if you go back to option A, please. So, this, this was the, as we discussed, the full project, right? And if you flip to the next one, and then Matt, you can take it from here. And, and let, me, let me make a statement. I know that. You know, we, um, we, we mentioned those and we went through it real fast. And, and I think that the, um, the brevity of the council uh, should be recognized that there are many attempting to make the football game uh, today. So you all can talk a little bit today. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I just, just wanted to let match you good. I just wanted okay. them to know I know what they're doing. Sure. The and we will, we will need to abate the cost. But the difference from these options, remember option A was the full concept at the time, $7 million. Option B kept everything in play, but broke it into two phases. Uh, phase one essentially getting everything up front, both the Memorial Plaza, the secondary plaza, a Memorial Pavilion, restrooms, the pond feature, uh, with a, a little bit of a Im improvements to the parking and all the accessibility. And then the back uh, portion of the park could be dealt with in a second phase. So it just breaks it into phase one, 5.4 million, and then phase two, the remaining trails and other nodes along the back side of the park. Uh, but all the all the components stay the same. Option C uh, changes a little bit everything up front except for removes the, the pond, which is about a million dollars. So it's a significant water feature. Uh, but everything else would stay the same in in that in that phase. So it just reduces the cost a little bit, but removes that pond. And then option D uh, again removes the pond, removes the the additional improvements on the east side of the park along Magnolia also removes one of the plazas, uh, the flagpole plaza and the restroom. So you, you essentially get $2.8 million. You get the main event plaza, you get the memorial pavilion and all the site improvements up front. So it's not really a phased approach. This is a reduced scope. Okay. So just think about that. If, if you go with, if you're thinking about option D, while we could add these other features in the future, it would be very disruptive to the park. It's not like it would be an easy, we just do phase one, next year we do phase two, because you're probably gonna have to close the park in order to make those improvements. So it's not really phase one, phase two, phase three sure. with this particular option. So if you wanted to look at that and option B, which truly was a phased approach, if you wanted something even more 
uh, a lower cost and, and more phases, we can certainly do that if that's, if that's what you're thinking, if you want. Matt, Matt just a quick question. W would we then, in regard to option A, at the 5.4 million, if we can do that, uh, and, and I guess our accounting would help us with that, uh, if we're able to do that with, with no taxes, uh, with no new taxes, I'm, I'm curious as to uh, the temperature of of the uh, my fellow council persons. Is that something we could do without raising taxes? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's something we can do without raising taxes. I'm just one of your staff. It's certainly something we can look at. Um, we may have to push other projects back slightly. Okay. Um, without knowing where uh, valuations are going to come in, certainly. Um, but yes, it's something we can definitely take a look at, Mayor. Okay. All right. I want to hear the temperature of the group. Go ahead, ma'am. Some of the Ms. feedback Short. that I got from citizens over actually these, these two projects specifically were that they were not against these projects, just uh, did not want to incur new taxes or raise taxes. Uh, but also a lot of what I heard about the Veterans Memorial is that citizens really felt like there would be donations made that, that we could have some city involvement and then donations made to the foundation. So I, I don't know if it might be helpful to hear from the foundation to see how much they've raised at this point so that it might be an eye opener to, to show people it's not quite that easy to raise the money even though we, we all love veterans. You know, when, when you start writing a check, it doesn't always parlay to the, to the amount that you really care. Yeah, just for reference, in my time in Arlington, we, we had a similar approach for the, for the Fallen Police and Fire Memorial on uh, West Green Oaks Boulevard, and that was the thought is to raise. And so we had a citizen group that was working with our, 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 both of our, our, our police and fire unions uh, with the goal of raising 500,000, and after a couple years, they raised 40,000, and then the city came in with the rest. So 40,000 is nothing to sneeze at, but when you're talking about a significant project like that, the bulk of it is most likely gonna come from the city. Right, so I think that needs to be part of our message too. And you know, I what I don't want to happen is us to do a little bit, but not do it right. That's right. And I think that's that's why we put the whole amount out there. Is, yeah. right. You know, when you when you look at at it for the long haul, we don't want to do it small. If it is put in front of voters, that it is approved. Obviously, any fundraising that the foundation is doing that can reduce that cost would only save save money if voters do authorize the, the project without a tax rate increase. So that can still happen throughout the entire design process leading all the way up to construction. So right. that's good. Thank you. Ms. Short, I, I sure appreciate you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, pivot over to uh, Mr. Bross because I think he can, he can tell us, I don't think they've raised much money in about 10 years, but Mr. Bross, am I wrong? No, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, but I do have, uh, I'm, uh, 5.4 is almost double the 2.8 that we uh, talked about in, in option D. And I, I know we can come up with that kind of, with the option D kind of money in one year with, with not a lot of issues. And I, I know Troy would jump up right now if I was wrong about that. 5.4, something has to give, and, and I think he's, he said we, some projects would have to back uh, back up. Don't want to see something from fire or police have to be backed up because of this. And for that reason, I, I would rather see uh, see us go in knowing 
it would cost more mm -hmm. in the future to go back in and add to, but it, it's a big chunk to buy it off. And then if we talk about, we have to deal with Miracle Field along the same avenue. I, I'm still for, for going in at the, at the deal. All right, appreciate it, sir. Go ahead, Mr. Chenault. Yeah, I guess my question, if we approve, if, if we decide to put the 2.8 out there as our, as our uh, type B money increases with our increased sales tax, I mean, will there be some additional funding in parks to, to expand this, this park, basically, is what it is? I mean, is that a, is, I'm just trying to think of additional funding mechanisms to, you know, if we're gonna crawl, walk, run, let's, uh, you know, 2H crawling, you know, how we're gonna start walking. So, be nice to know that. And if we were depending on those guys, those committees to raise the money, we're kidding ourselves. There's no way they're gonna raise that kind of money. Uh, so, I think we need to try to figure out start figuring out designating some future funds to to expand it we could certainly look at an additional or revised phase plan for you i think the most important feature and the feedback that we would need is the is the pond is the water feature how important is that to you that would be the most disruptive thing to come back and add it's it would essentially shut the park down the other features could probably be added with minimal interruption so how important is that it is one of the most expensive features. So does that need to be in the phase, in the first phase, or does it need to be, let's just put it this way, does it need to be in the project? If so, probably needs to happen in phase one without basically yeah. shutting the park down for a year for if it occurred in the future, so. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I'm an Navy guy. I like water. Um, that's just me. Um, and, and then, and then just, just again, hearing Ms. Ms. Short, I'm with her 100% too. I think that, um, and, and all of these are valid points. I think, think we sure wanna give them a good looking, good looking product when this is all said and done. Um, I think every one of us up here though, would agree that, that if any of the funds uh, would push back projects that concern our police fire infrastructure, then of course, I don't think a one of us would want that. I know I wouldn't. So I, I think it's good to hear what that might be. And um, if it's none of those, this is just my topic in my head, you all have may, maybe have some as well. Then um, if it's not that, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I think, think we want the remarkable experience and water just kind of does it. I mean, come on. But anyway, uh, we, we'll be together on whatever we decide up here. So uh, we'll live with it. We'll live with it. So we'll, we'll make a good presentation. Okay. All right. Tamara, Ms. Bounds, you, I'm sorry, I did not give you an opportunity. Forgive me. You are Ms. Lewis. Go ahead. I'm with Councilwoman um, Short that I think that it should, we shouldn't cut ourselves short. I think that there's some other options there that we can look at through this. I certainly don't want to cut police and fire and anything like that. But you know, if we do the proposition for the 4B, there may be the opportunity in that to raise some of those additional funds. But the water feature, cutting that out, that's what, a million dollars? That's really not worth, in my book, to cut that out. 
we might as well just go ahead and keep it. And I like the water features in there. But I think we need to have a remarkable experience and we need to look at what that $5.4 million looks like and where it might come from. Okay, Mr. Lewis, I didn't give you an opportunity. I apologize. Was, was I understanding, that, Mr. Jones, that you're, or, sorry, Mr. Young, that your uh, thoughts on this option B would be that maybe this could be broken out into phases so that the upfront cost could be less and yeah, I think um, the most logical things, if the water feature, again, it, it would be more costly, number one, to do it later and more disruptive to the park. So I think that would be essential with the event plaza. But if you came in with the secondary, secondary uh, memorial plaza and the pavilion, those could be added. So we could take those two features out, reduce that cost, and they could be phased in and so still would, essentially set the stage. So you get a water feature, the memorial plaza, and the restrooms, and some parking, phase one. Yes. And if that gets us closer down into the three million, three and a half range. Right. And then we have other funding sources that if we decided to go ahead and build onto the back of that, we could at time of initial construction, if things are going great or if they're not, no new taxes, three-ish million dollars gets at least the front part started. Yes. Kind of I, think, thought? I think that's the approach we'll take for you for the next meeting. Okay. Thanks. Right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mayor, a quick thought process. Yes, sir. We are a year later, so I'm presuming there's going to be escalation numbers. In yeah, there. we'll update the cost as well. Yeah. We, you know, we're interviewing right now architects for the service center and animal shelter project, and one of them told us last week that they're essentially adding 1% for every month in delay in construction costs right now. So it'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit higher than before, hopefully not too significant, but we'll update those. All right. Yes. And then Miracle, again, this was the concept uh, for, the, for the prop last May, which replaced the large baseball field, added a designated uh, synthetic turf field for Miracle, as well as a medium-sized natural turf field. Again, that playground is 28 years old now, so it needs to be replaced, and this would be a significant, large, roughly half-million-dollar barrier-free playground, new pavilion, new concession restroom building, add a loop trail that kind of surrounded the park and, and had it function more as a, you know, kind of like a typical neighborhood park and set the stage to connect in with our linear park system in the, in the future and then extended parking. So that, that's the scope of what was proposed but before. Obviously, we need to adjust uh, the numbers a little bit here, but uh, phasing would be difficult here because there's most, um, other than the loop trail, most of it is necessary to support that function. So it's kind of uh, one project. I don't know how we, we phase that necessarily. All right, all right, council. <coughs> Anything you've heard? We, we, I take it back. We, we could take the pavilion out, but from my lessons, from my experience in Arlington, it was from day one, that was what they were missing. Uh, so it took them three years to get that. So I would not recommend taking that out. It's just a, a necessary support function for, for that facility. So. I think we're good. Go ahead, Ms. Short. I, I just want to make sure, I mean, if, I think so, maybe some people are thinking, what is the percentage of our citizens that will make use of Miracle Field? But important to point out that it will bring in people from the surrounding areas to use this field as well. So right. we'll be getting lots of visitors to Mansfield if we do this. And there are other uses than, than just the, the, the standard baseball. I mean, we can program it for lots of other events as well, so. Extended ball field areas. 
Yeah, it's a standard baseball field. So a lot of the a lot of the participants kind of age out of the and have the physical capability, just don't have the mental capability and want to play on a on a real grass baseball field. And so they they program both of them, not just the synthetic field. So it is an important piece of of Arlington's program. They use two other natural turf fields. Uh, so. Uh, we can still play traditional MYBA games out there as well as any Miracle Field programs. All right. Go how ahead. Do we, go ahead how, do we fund, how do we fund this? I think prop, prop, well, proposition, yeah. but is that general fund? General fund but is, yeah. are, we, are we assuming we can do that without an increase? Okay, okay. So everything that we've seen today, thank you. And I think that needs to be, we need to make that real clear. Everything that we've seen, everything that we've talked about today, we're saying will require no increase in taxes. That's correct. Right. We, we understand what council is saying. Good. We'll come back at the next, we wanna make sure you guys, there's no sense in us going through the exercise if you weren't interested in doing correct. this. Yep. We'll come back at the next, next meeting with uh, uh, costs updated to the best of our ability, <laughs> using a consultant to help us with that and we'll work with our financial advisors to plug those new costs in and make sure that we're still on track to be able to do those uh, without a tax increase associated with them. All right, go ahead, Mr. Lewis. Um, I, I'm, I'm conflicted on this one, not because I don't want the, the project, I, I very much do. Of, of all of the ones last year, I was most disappointed in, in the results of this one. Um, because we talked about world-class city, world-class hometown, remarkable experiences. Um, we have a lot of things to do in this city for people from Star Center to uh, Fieldhouse to a golf course to a great linear trail system. Um, not everybody in this town uses every one of the amenities that we have, but that's what makes us a world-class hometown is that we have amenities that everybody could participate in, um, except this demographic. Nobody in the public sector is thinking about how do I build a turf field for special needs kids so that they can have a place to go where they can be a kid, where their family can uh, get to participate in normal family activities. Um, so where, where I struggle is putting it on a ballot again, and if it fails, we get to go another three years, um, when there are other funding sources out there that, um, we have to wait three years from the last year and then find another opportunity to build it through different funding that maybe still doesn't increase taxes, but we just pay for it out of the park system or, um, if we get flexibility in, in the MEDC, um, but to put it on a ballot again um, in the current political environment where people just are gonna vote no in some cases and it's, it's which way is it gonna go, um, that, that puts us another year behind yeah. of trying to get a project that I think uh, is desperately needed in our city and something that, that uh, if we're gonna say world-class hometown, remarkable experiences, I think this is right up there at, oh, no at the top of the project list. So. I want it. I want it sooner rather than later, and I'm I'm concerned that a general fund bond election, um, just if weird politics things take place, that even if you said no new taxes, if this fails, that's another 12 months before we start anything, and then you're starting a three-year clock. We already have seen price escalations. What's that going to look like when we're trying to build this thing in 2028? You know, 
So those are just my concerns and thoughts. That's good. I, I, think, I think that with all of us pushing, pressing, and, and definitely with the fact that he didn't make the last time, I think we're going to get it. I think we'll, we'll have that support. I think we, we found ourselves in the middle of a perfect storm the last time, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be in a much better place. But the, your concerns are valid, very valid. So, all right. We thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. All right. Discussion regarding a proposed townhouse development on Toll Road 360 in South Point. All right, Mr. Alexander. Thank you, Honorable Mayor. Good afternoon, City Council. We have David Branch and Grenadier Homes here this afternoon to provide an overview of their proposed townhome project within the office residential subdistrict of the South Point PD plant development district. They do have a presentation that they would like to share with you, Mayor, City Council. I'll turn the floor over to Mr. Branch and to Grenadier Homes. Good afternoon. Happy New Year to the council. Let's hope it's an exciting one and a good one. Um, we came before you before on this particular property. Uh, our last proposal, we had it as a front entry garage product um, that was not well received. So we went back and we went to a rear entry product. Um, Jason, I just pushed this to get into our slide. The single button? Okay. Um, with me today is Anthony Nautali. He is the president and owner of uh, Grenadier Homes. Uh, you know, we went out and searched a lot of different builders. The unique thing about Anthony's company is the fact that they exclusively only build multifamily type product. So we were excited to get them involved with us. They've been in business for a long time and I think they're a good addition to South Point. <clears throat> this is just some particular product that they've built around the DFW area. This is the overall site, and as you can see by looking at the site, it is a very awkward configuration. There's a lot of utilities. There's a major Tarrant County water line going through there, so it makes it very difficult to develop this particular property. It's probably one of the most complicated pieces that we've done in all of South Point. So there's a total of approximately 36 acres and this layout shows 187 units. That's the maximum allowable for the site. This is representation of the proposal going to a uh, rear entry product. You can see the terraces on the front and the masonry, and then this gives you some different perspectives as you're looking through the product. Close up for the outdoor living space. This is just illustration of a proposal for the amenity center. That's pretty much it. I think that, Jason, are you going to go into your staff report at this point, or no? Okay. 
Well, initially, I believe it was back in 2006, and I was involved with this site, obviously from the beginning. But um, the big thing at that time, we were not clear on how 360 was gonna be designed and developed because there was a lot of discussion still going on about that. <clears throat> so at that time, there was an overlay put on this area, which the district that this falls in, for 50 acres of either office residential. That overlay is one of our requests of why we're asking that to be removed. Obviously, there's not a need for 50 acres nor 31 acres, and being the fact of where this site is located, it is all residential up in that area on the northern side. You've got the elementary school there, then you've got further north, you have single family, and then you have these townhomes here. Um, our request is to remove that overlay and let us go with the townhome development exclusively. One of the things that staff came out with was that they also wanted us, they would recommend taking the overlay off, but that they would like to see 15,000 square foot of office space. Um, and I will point out to you, if I could do it, I would do it. But because of the configuration of this site, the way that you see it, even just adding 15,000 square feet, that's gonna take a little over an acre of ground to do that. In order to park that facility, and the parking requirements is going to be, you know, very difficult, and you're gonna lose, you know, several million dollars of buildings here. It is of my opinion that there is more revenue tax base on townhomes than an office space for this particular site. There's a lot of office space around us. In our future phase nine, we also have retail and office that we're gonna be putting, proposing in there. So we're asking for relief to get the 50 acre overlay off. We would like to be able to go forward with the townhome project as we proposed to you. And then there was language that they would like us to go to three stories. Um, the problem with going to a three-story product is one, it is a cost factor. All of us understand prices and costs have increased substantially. Uh, in South Point alone, some people from the beginning of the time that they signed their contracts to the point of time that they could start their houses, houses went up 65000 to $75,000, all tied to cost. And that target is still moving. To add a third story to this townhome project is gonna have an increase in cost, or sales price, 75,000 to $100,000. So that's placing these townhomes starting in the 500s. And one of the things why we felt it would be exciting to bring this into South Point was because of the legitimate need for affordable housing. Our lowest entry point into South Point right now is 530,000. And as builders say, that's kind of a lost leader. They try to put a price out there to attract people in, get them excited about their products, and hopefully get the upsell. So the cost factor and positioning is there. And then the other bigger issue 
is the fact that the targeted consumer for these homes, you're talking about adding two, two different sets of stairs that they're going to have to go up and down. And that's not who the buyer is of this. This is a buyer that's living in Mansfield. Their children might live in, in South Point, And they're wanting to scale down their houses and move down. And they're not wanting to go up and down three stories of, of stairs. So we would like to stay at a two-story product. I think that it will create a nice feel for that area based on what has been up there. And we feel that it will allow us to bring an affordability into South Point and the 400,000, the lower 400,000 price point and feel there's no other product really being offered in the area around and in the submarket. Um, the other part of the request was to reduce the lot sizes and we have figured out a way that we don't need to do that and we can stay at the standard of what the current zoning allows us to do and I believe it's 20,000 Jason 2,000 2, so we can live without that change we don't have to do any modification to it and um, that way we can stay in our current um, uh, architectural requirement multifamily and we don't uh, are, we are not comfortable with the form standard uh, that is part of also the comments from staff um, you know I've been coming to this council since 2005 when we first started South Point I was involved when we started thinking about this particular site I'm not trying to swim upstream by asking for your support I'm not looking to horse trade I'm being totally honest with you in the context of we need to be able to build it this way and if we can't adding the office space will kill the project it just it, it does not work and I'm open to any questions that you might have all right Ms. Bounds I looked at this project and um, looked at what they look like I have been going and touring some sites uh, with MEDC and looking at brownstones and looking at different properties and their layouts and what that might look like. And while I think that you've done a great job on some of this, I, I just can't help but feel that you're still missing a few things. There's some places I looked in Frisco where they had brownstones built around some office space and retail, and it's flourishing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of homes around there. There's the school around there. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I think you're just missing a piece there that you really should be looking at. I don't think it's going to kill it just based on things that I've gone out there and looked at because I'm, I'm not a realtor. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to understand developments and what they may look like and sure. how you can make a project better. Sure. Um, I, I, I just don't think y'all are there yet to be able to say, look, folks, this is the best that we can do. I think that there's more wiggle room. Well, and I appreciate your comments. And I understand what you're referencing. 
the mathematics of this deal is what causes the problem. If you put in 15,000 square foot of office space, you've got to park it. In order to park it, you've got to take up acreage, which as you can see by this thing, wishbones, it creates too many losses of units to make it financially feasible. That's where I'm at. Architecturally, we're open for any input if you think that there's something that we should do differently. Well, let me just ask then, um, what is the price range that you're telling us that you think that you can sell these at? They would be in the fours, yes. Basically the same type model of brownstone that I've seen. I have seen it go for 650,000, not just the 400,000. So um, I think there's still a little bit more wiggle room there in the market. Well, I understand your comment, but yet I want to make sure you understand mine. Affordability out there for young people, for people moving down, getting up into that price range, you're getting into a very exclusive market. We brought the custom homes to South Point based on working with the council that they wanted us to bring that in there. We always try to do what you advise us and direct us to do. And I'm not just digging in my heels saying, I don't want to do that now, because what you see in South Point currently is a reflection of this council, staff, and our involvement working together to develop South Point to what it's become today. And on this site, for us to be able to bring affordable product brings more people into the marketplace. It allows people that are living in Mansfield to stay in Mansfield if they're scaling down. The Julian Apartments right by us there, I was shocked when I found out how many older couples were buying those units, wanting to be in Mansfield but trying to find something at a price point in a multifamily product that they couldn't find, so they'd sign a year's lease there. So there's definitely a market for townhomes in South Point, and I can't stress to you, and I've been building houses for 43 years, affordability in our market today, I would hate to be a young couple or anybody out there trying to buy at these price points because you have to consider in these multifamilies, not only are they paying the price, they have to pay association fees, so that's on top of the price. And we have to, as developers and builders, do everything we can to bring affordability to marketplaces. And it's very difficult when you're trying to shoot at a target that's moving literally every month. Because every month, we have to sit back and evaluate our costs. Just like you were looking at your, your park areas. <laughs> you go out in six months and bid it from your current bid and you'll find a shocking fact of just how much increases are happening out there. And we just can't keep stacking the prices and knocking affordability out of the marketplace that these are people we want to see stay and live in Mansfield. So, and I mean, architecturally, if there's movement within the units, because you said we're falling short of not adding office, um, 
I'm open. I will do whatever you, we can that is feasible for us to do. We have potential retail and office in our nine, phase nine, as I shared with you. In order, we also have the Texas Health Resources with office there. We have to the north of us the new office towers that are going up. I don't have office users right now. I have not had office users in because we've marketed this stuff in different packages trying to get it to get an office user and we have struck out completely. So I'm not trying to eliminate something that I think would enhance the community or make it more palatable for a council. We're proposing something that we think is legitimately quality. It's going to bring in an affordable price point and it's going to allow us to keep people in Mansfield that are living here that want to downsize and bring people to Mansfield that are looking for affordable housing. Okay. All right, go ahead, Mr. Tenor. Excuse me, because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't on the council naturally when South Point was proposed, and I agree you did a great job. South Point's a beautiful development. If, if I were a homeowner in South Point, and I'm not, when they purchased those homes, what was shown here in this area? Was there office shown here? I mean, no, sir. What, what was on the it initial was, drawing? It just showed the parcel with not the units on there, and there was uh, nothing illustrated as far as a type of product or type of use. It just was shown as green space there with potential future development is how it was actually categorized, future development. Okay. I mean, the well, other I fact, just to quickly point out to you, on the south side of this, that would be the only place that you could possibly put any kind of office space where you see the gas well down, down at the southern end right by Lone Star. You can't go to the north with it because all of the detention has been built because it was affected by 8B, the single family to the, to the north of us. So to have that at our main entrance is also a concern to me because we put a lot of time and effort to design South Point entry features in modern uh, or the boulevard because it was our window into the community and we tried to do everything we could to produce quality and get people to be excited about living in Mansfield. I guess my point at the, is, I mean, as a resident of South Point, if I were to live there, you know, naturally I wouldn't want anything to devalue my property, okay? And I'm for, sorry, sir. To devalue my property. I wouldn't yes, want, you wouldn't either. Has uh, there been any conversation with South Point's HOA? Are they familiar with this project coming in? If again, I ask, was it on any any drawing when South Point was presented to them? I know, you know, there there was dialogue uh, as far as it could be townhouses. I, I know that. As far as offices. Um, I think it was shown as townhomes and potential office space. Our, yes, residential office is what the categorization is under the zoning. So that's what was conveyed. 
And this, so I'm clear, this is a townhome for sale project. Yes, sir. Not a for rent. It's a for sale. Yeah. All right. Any other? Right, go ahead. I do I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that the two-story is what you guys wanted to do because, and, and it does look like it's two-story in the picture still. I think it looks pretty much like we saw last time. Um, because I had read in the staff's comments about it being three-story, which helped a little bit in my book. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Miss Bounds on this. I tried to imagine what it looks like coming down 360 or when Matlock gets finished over there, how this project is going to look. And I, I just don't think it says what we're wanting. And unfortunately, we've been on a lot of field trips lately, and we've seen some different type of housing developments and and that's really what we're looking for is something that's not just your basic run of the mill and I think some of the pictures that were shown that Grenadier's done before um, they look good and if we could get you know something closer to that or I just I don't think this is a great fit for this area and I don't know if it's my problem not catching the vision here or it's it's not being shown, but it just doesn't say much when I try to imagine this as I'm driving down 360 or Matlock, you know, what does it say about, about Mansfield and about South Point? Because I think there are a lot of real home runs that you, you got with South Point. There's a, a lot of great things there. To me, this is, is just below what's, what you've got already. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Are you referring to the use or to the architecture? The architecture. Okay. Architect I, I have some, some concerns about the, the front door yards, like on the pictures and everything, they look good, but my mind always goes worst case scenario, best case scenario, and then try to end up somewhere in the middle. And I just wonder how they're gonna look you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. You would like to think that everybody would decorate them cute and have nice furniture out there, but in reality, that, that doesn't happen. So I have concerns about that as well. Okay, well, thank you. Architecturally, we can have that discussion if there's a different flavor you'd like to see. Um, based on our last presentation to you in the workshop, it was of our takeaway that to create living spaces in the front like we have, because coming down 360, I get it, but um, you know we're open to that discussion. I mean, if we can get to the use, then we can talk about you know what enhancements or what you like and what you don't like. I would submit to you though, those drawings are computer generated. So they're not showing you the dimension and the depth and the relief of the architecture. It's giving you a very stale look at it. Those buildings, though, have 80% masonry on them, masonry on stone on the fronts. So it's a quality product that is not really detailed in those drawings because you can't get it like a real building. Um, but we are open to that discussion if we can get to the use. Well, I, I, I'm not necessarily opposed to the use. I just, I'd like the idea of brownstones. We, we have seen a lot of projects where you've got, you know, some live work space 
when you've got pro uh, developments like that where maybe, um, you know, it doesn't look like a million other things you've seen in, in this area. Because I know different parts of the country have different type, types of looks. And I think, I mean, I may be the only one, but that, that's kind of what we're looking for is something that's a little bit different. This is like a million other townhomes you've seen. And, and it's still two story. Well, I appreciate your comments. Um, the three, first off, I'm from Chicago, so I know brownstones real well and I built a lot of them. Um, you know, can we come up with a flavor architecturally that has more of a brownstone look to it? Uh, yeah, we can do that. that. That's not that difficult. To go to 300 or 300 feet, Go to three-story units is a bigger killer because, again, you're adding seventy-five dollars to $100,000 in sales price that defeats what we were trying to do, bringing affordable product. And, I mean, at $400,000, these are not cheap units. I mean, that's an expensive townhome. Well, uh, I, I, okay. I guess I sort of feel like you should leave affordable housing as for us to deal with for the city and you not try to necessarily make that work for this piece. Did, did, I don't remember us saying that before, maybe we did. I'm not saying you did say affordable. That, that, that is based on the activity we've seen in South Point as prices continue to escalate. Uh, when we started South Point in the very beginning, our entry level point was $330,000. So in that gap of time, there's where I'm talking about you're, you're ruling out a certain segment of buyers that are just saying we can't live there because we can't afford what happens then. They go to the outer bounds around your community. But, you know, if there's one thing I've learned since the inception of South Point, there is a strong uh, demand as well as alignment of consumers. They want to live here. They, they like the quality of life, they like the schools, they like the environment. And that's been very prevalent in all of our buyers that have made decisions to invest in our community. And I think, you know, we're not looking to do anything. And I can speak personally because I take a strong pride of ownership in this thing since the beginning of it. Um, I'm not going to do anything that would downgrade the quality of what we've created in South Point. I will maintain that if they have to keep the ground sitting empty because we're not just looking for a quick turn of a deal. We're trying to finish out South Point with the completeness and the quality that we did from day one, and I stood here in front of the council at that time. Well, that, that is what I would like to see you guys focusing on more is that quality and, and this project fitting in with what you've already done out there, and yes, everything's gone up. So. I, I feel like instead of focusing on affordability, if you focus on the quality and uniqueness, and we are, as a council, working on some diverse type housing in our city because we see the need there, but for this to be a part of South Point and to be along some major roadways there, I mean, we, we want it to be a star. Okay. All right, Mr. North. No, I totally agree with Councilwoman Short, that's where I was going. I mean, I, I would hate to approve a, a project uh, based on a depressed economy. I mean, just because that's all that 
you know, with, that uh, folks can't afford today with interest rates where they are. I think it, I think personally, I think we get a tremendous pushback from the residents of South Point because it would be considered uh, a lesser product when you start using the term affordability. So I'm like Councilwoman Short, I think there's room for affordable housing in our community and we're, we're steadily trying to build those in, in areas where it makes sense. I don't personally think it makes sense here. I think if you would have built this, if you would have developed this, David, five years ago and built $600,000 homes, they'd all be sold, yeah. really. So, I mean, I think eventually that's gonna happen again. I would hate to look back and go, well, you know, that's all we could do at the time. I think we owe it to our community and our citizens with the limited amount of land left to make better decisions than that. So that's just my two cents. I understand from a business standpoint. Right. Trust me, I wouldn't, if I couldn't sell them, I wouldn't build them either. But uh, it's, it's, I just think right now it's just a very difficult time. So. But I, I appreciate your comments, Council Member. And the, the, I'm not hanging my hat totally on affordability. I'm pointing it out because it's a factor. We want to bring every aspect of consumer we can to South Point. And we've diversified that. We've got affordable single family. We have move up and then we have the high dollar custom homes. We brought every element that, that we were asked to bring to South Point. And trying to bring a single family at a lower price point, we can't do it. To offer an alternative to single family becomes townhomes. And I can tell you, and I've got the builder sitting right here, he has, why don't you answer? I mean, you're the guy building them. Hi, Anthony Natale, um, one of the owners of Grenadier Homes. So I heard a bunch of different thoughts and comments and I'd like to respond uh, with regards to the 650 or $600,000 homes in Frisco. Um, we're building just north of Frisco in, in Prosper. It's a really nice community. Our homes, um, I should have probably tried to take a tour of those homes where it's similar to these, but maybe a little more contemporary on the elevation. Um, I showed some of our other product that we build because I think we kind of got off on affordable housing. This is not, we would never call any of our projects affordable housing projects. They're market rate housing projects built with quality. We're talking about quartz countertops um, granite countertops, hardwood flooring. These are all standards in our houses. So there's nothing about affordable housing. Um, we're talking about stone on the elevation. Um, I think with regards to front courtyards, uh, Ms. Short, you brought up the comment on front courtyards. What we're trying to do is engage the people that are living in those houses with the street condition. So when you talk about you want to see something different, we do, we're the only townhouse builder on a rear entry product that puts front courtyards on their houses. A few people claim to put little porches on the front that are three feet deep that you can't sit on or do anything with. The question then becomes what happens in that front space that's 
15 by 15, which is a very usable, livable space connected with indoor-outdoor living. What happens with that space? Well, we have homeowner association documents that are in place to control what people put in there. So if they start putting pink flamingos out there, uh, we don't allow it. So there's a number of rules that we do to put in place, even trying to control parking. Parking becomes an issue with this kind of a density. Um, and we're talking about different things because I have built uh, three-story townhomes. It's the very first townhomes that we built was in uh, the State Thomas area, in the Uptown area. So it's a very dense location. And when you're talking about three-story townhomes, they live very simply. The garage, the two-car garage is on the first floor. Family room, dining room, kitchen is on the second floor. Very familiar with it. And on the third floor, you typically have two to three bedrooms. Now, this lot, this, this area has a, a you know, 2,000 square foot minimum size for lots. When you're talking about three stories and you're talking about a garage with maybe like a little room downstairs as the first floor, those are typically 1,000 square foot lots. So we're talking about a couple of different languages here. Um, so when we looked at this site, and we will talk about from the market perspective, Houses starting in the low 500s in South Point, we cannot be successful selling townhouses in the 650s or 700s. I can just, we've been there, we've done it. We've priced ourselves out of the marketplace. The reason in Frisco where you can sell a townhouse for 650s, the typical single family house, starter house is in the 750, $800,000 price point. In Prosper, we're selling in the 400s. Um, I'd love to do a tour because I'm very proud of the product in the 400s. I don't think it's a cookie cutter. I don't think it's ugly, detracting. Um, it's in, I, I consider South Point, like where we're building in Prosper, uh, Winsong Ranch. Winsong Ranch is one of the premier master plan communities, and I would encourage everyone on the council, and I'm happy to go there and meet with you at our model home, to visit our product in Prosper and see what we're building there because uh, I think that's one of the nicest master plan communities there. And, um, you know, look at this community, which I think South Point, what attracted us in the first place was South Point is a very special, I think it's the nicest master plan community in all of, uh, you know, in, in Mansfield. So that's what attracted us in the first place. So we're not trying to do anything to detract at all. We've had a lot of conversations on landscaping. Another thing with the front courtyard is, we typically have landscaping that's about four or five feet tall, so you can still talk to people on the sidewalk, but it kind of hides what's going on right inside, so maybe the furniture is not perfect or what you would choose, but that's not easily seen from within the courtyard. Um, but I'd be happy to answer any other question, but I really think that we've kind of gotten off track on affordable housing. This is market rate housing. Sure. This is what we believe we can sell it for. We believe we can sell houses in the 400s. And our typical buyer, talking about a two-story townhouse, is somebody who's already living in the area, and I think it's younger. Typically, you're talking about 30, 40-year-olds, 20-year-olds. Um, they've grown up in Mansfield. They're trying to make a start of it. They wanna, they're comfortable in Mansfield, and they want a great home with uh, granite countertops or quartz countertops, hardwood flooring something that they can be proud of, but they can't afford that $600,000 home in Mansfield or 700 or 550, and we provide that opportunity for them, even a young family, 
to live here in the 400s. That's where we think the marketplace is. Let me do this. We'll have, we're going to hear from uh, Mr. Lewis, and then we're going to wrap this up. Okay, Mr. Lewis, Mr. Bross, then we'll, we'll call it. Thank you, Mayor. All right. Um, Go ahead. Mr. Alexander, just want to, before I make comments, make sure I understand the existing use today that would be allowable. So Sir. could you recap that for me real quick? Absolutely. So the South Point Plant Development District is divided into six different sub-districts with office residential, OR being one of those. Within the performance standards for the OR, office residential sub-district, there's a requirement of 50 acres of office to be developed. Townhomes are also allowed by right within this particular sub-district. As the provisions of the South Point PD are written, there aren't very many standards within the South Point PD Development District that relate to townhomes. So that's one of the reasons why we're having to make some considerations in other zoning districts that we have where there are those types of standards available. Okay, so by right, they could build townhomes except for the caveat that in this district area, they need 50 acres of office. Correct. And this is the last piece that would be available for 50 acres of office. Correct. Okay. Um, I, I'm looking at an image that is in the marketing brochures for South Point. Um, this tract that was shown to potential home buyers uh, clearly identifies it as future retail slash commercial um, directly across from the school. Uh, I, I'm looking at a bigger picture. I, I don't disagree with anything you guys have said in, in terms of market. I think South Point is our one of our few neighborhoods where you do have multi-generational living available. Um, although it is all single-family, multi-generational living available, um, it, it does still provide that. And uh, I am all for different housing types. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed on Broad Street is uh, as traffic congestion on Broad increases, it's because the people in South Point have to go grocery shopping at Kroger and Market Street. Um, it's because the people that are in Mill Valley just south of there have to go all the way up to Broad Street, and you're asking to get rid of the one of the only locations for commercial housing. zoning that is available and asking to put more housing, which then those houses now have to come to Broad Street, to HEB, Market Street, Kroger, um, and, and go, uh, Mr. Van Amberg is sitting back there, and he's aware that we are actively trying to build a very expensive bridge across this railroad track to connect Matlock. And that's an eight-digit number. Is that correct, Bart? Sure. Yeah. So we're going to spend we're going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to connect Matlock, and it's going to terminate right at this lot. That's where that bridge is going to stop. Right as you come over the railroad, on the left will be this particular piece of property. Um, that makes it really valuable for for future users. Um, on the east side of 360 is Harvest Point, where there's massive multi-billion dollar development planned for it. Um, so if I want to consider changing the zoning from a 
future retail commercial identified parcel um, to residential, then I, I don't see just dense townhome only. The, the thing that turns me off of it is architecture, we can work through that. Um, it's, it's that it's the compartmentalization of uses. It's, you guys talk about, you know, we want everybody to be here, but it's okay, well, if you can afford a $400,000 house, you get to live here. And if you can afford a million dollar house, you get to live over here. And if you afford a $600,000 single family home, you get to live here. And these are the schools and these are your neighbors and these are who you get to congregate with. Um, but when we talk about places like the Wheeler District in Oklahoma or Norton Commons that we've all toured or any of these great multi-generational development neighborhoods, um, you can have a duplex next door to a multi-million dollar house and nobody blinks an eye. Um, and so if you're asking to change the use, which is what I understanding pull the overlay off, allow you to build townhomes there, um, I, I would be much more open to considering a use change to allow some townhomes, but also um, we've got the, uh, I think it's Tuscan offices at the Aristide Event Center and all of that, they're on Walnut Creek. A project like that with some brownstones and some townhomes mixed in and, and um, maybe even a little coffee shop or something that's right there across from the high school, I think through, you know, or the middle school, the parents dropping their kids off. Middle school. Um, you know, we lots of opportunities to make that a true neighborhood development style project, not just a compartmentalized, here's a bunch of townhomes that are in the $400,000 price point. That's what I would consider if we're talking about changing use for it. Other than that, I really like the idea that we need to preserve some commercial retail opportunity in, in this area of South Point, because otherwise all of these people are going north on Matlock when that bridge connects. They're not gonna shop in this area. They're gonna go up and, and clog Matlock and Broad Street. They're gonna be going up there to do their day-to-day -day traffic shopping retail. So um, if, if that is what you could come back to us with is something along the lines of Norton Commons, Wheeler District, mixed use area that, uh, that has some unique housing types dispersed, not all just townhomes, then from, from my chair, I won't speak for everybody, but from my chair, that I would definitely be nodding my head and, and, and in agreement that that's a good direction. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Uh, the consensus uh, continues to be that we would like to uh, see that diverse use that you're talking about and one that we've continued to talk about. Uh, and I believe that uh, we think primarily when I'm hearing as a council that it's a concern of the South Point residents that they are going to be better served uh, by uh, allowing them to have the opportunity to uh, have access to uh, the very retail and office that we've talked about prior to. So I believe, um, council, thank you all very much. I think that you have communicated um, pretty, pretty clearly in regard to what uh, your desire. Okay. We appreciate it. Can I just make one response to sure. Council? We're going to wrap up after that. Yes, Go sir. Ahead. Yes, sir. Um, this parcel is not the last opportunity for commercial retail in South Point. We have a plan we're coming in with on phase nine that will have first floor retail and office. It has uh, a mixed use in that site so there is there and then you have the 51 acres on the west side of south point which is right across from the texas health resources 
and that is all going to be currently developed as commercial development, office, restaurants. So there are other parcels within South Point that are going to have that application. So we thank you for your time. We appreciate your input. We try to do what you want us to do, and we will continue to try. So thank you. All right. All right. Thank you very much. It's a good discussion, guys. Thank you all. All right, we'll move to discussions regarding the January 9 uh, consensus consent agenda items. Uh, Council, we wanted to um, put this on our agenda, and we will hopefully in the future do that, so that if you have any items that need to be discussed regarding the consent agenda, we will have staff in the room, and you'll be able to ask them so that uh, when we get to the 7 p.m. portion of our meetings, um, these matters will have already been discussed. So are there, uh, I'll start on my right, are there any consensus or consent, I don't know why I keep saying that, consent agenda items that um, you all would, uh, you would like to pull? Uh, Mr. Bross, Ms. Bounds, okay, Mr. Tenora. Did you have one, Todd? Got one, okay, fine. Call it up. This is a question to, to the attorney. Okay. So on 287 Service Road, I actually own property. And there's an item on here about a water line that will go in front of my property. Which item is that? Todd, give, yeah, give the... Give the item number so that also the public. Two two five one one nine. There you go. Thank you, buddy. Do I just do I abstain? My recommendation would be that you do, and I can talk to you before, before you have to vote on that. Uh, Drew, this particular item it has to do, really, with a valve, uh, a meter that's going to go on there that allows us to to more accurately. Uh, both measure the volume and control flow uh, through a valve that goes to Johnson County Special Utility District. Jeff or Alex, am I off on that at all? If not, it's fine. So it won't, it, it won't serve Mr. Tenori's property. As a matter of fact, it goes directly to one of our wholesale customers. So I don't think it will affect him in any way. Okay. So. Well, with that, I'll probably change my mind, but I'd still like to talk to you before you vote on it. <laughs> All right. All right. Mr. Lewis, you have one you'd like to pull, sir? All right. Ms. Short, how about you, ma'am? Okay. All righty then. All right. We will then recess into executive session pursuant to Section 551.071 the Texas Government Code. The Council reserves the right to convene an executive session from time to time as deemed necessary during this meeting for any posted agenda item to receive advice from its attorney as permitted by law to discuss the following. A, pending or contemplated litigation, or to seek the advice of the city attorney pursuant to section 551.071, seek advice of city attorney regarding pending litigation, clause number 348-270155-14, seek advice of city attorney regarding pending litigation, clause number uh, three, about 20 CV-2601-N-BK, dash 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 seek advice of city attorney 
regarding legal issues pertaining to economic development projects listed in section 3.D of the agenda. B, discussing uh, regarding possible purchase, exchange, lease of value of real property pursuant to section 551.072, land acquisition for future development. Personnel matters pursuant to section 551.074, board interviews, appointment of city attorney, city managers, quarterly update, and D, deliberation regarding commercial or financial information received from or the offer of a financial or other incentive made to a business prospect seeking to locate, stay, or expand in or near the territory of the city and with which the city is conducting economic development negotiations pursuant to section 551.087. Economic development projects 16-05, 22-23, 22-24, Council will now recess into executive session at 3.31 p.m. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to reconvene into our regular business session at 7.08 p.m. We will have our invocation by Sam Russo, pastor of Life Church, and we'll have our Pledge of Allegiance by Mr. Larry Brosh and our Texas Pledge by Mr. Casey Lewis. Let's all stand together, please. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that tonight we in this great country, in this great city, we can come together uh, to the matters at hand, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you that tonight you would be with us, guiding us, giving us wisdom and strategy for the future. Lord God, to guide uh, the resources and um, the situations we're working through, Lord. And I just pray that you're with us tonight in every decision in which we make and everyone that is uh, visiting and sharing the heart of what they're they're working on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to thee, Texas, one state, under God, one and indivisible. Thank you very much. Pastor, you mind sharing with us good things that's going on at the Life Church, sir? I would love to. I uh, had the privilege a few times over the past year to share a little bit about what's been happening at Life Church. So tonight I thought I'd share a story with you uh, about a lady that was invited to our church, uh, actually by a young 10-year-old. And the story involves uh, a lady that's been living in our city, uh, working at a local subway that was actually homeless, living in her car with her, her young son named David, was invited after uh, a lot of conversation with one of the families that attends our church. Their young son is about the age of 10 and was uh, inviting 
uh, cameo to be a part of our church. And it was really the generosity of this young man. He, he donated some money to her in that moment that caused her to walk into our doors. Uh, and as she visited our church and was welcomed into uh, what is happening there, uh, she made a decision to follow Christ. A couple weeks later, her son came with her, and he made that very same decision uh, to follow Christ. And what's been really fun is to watch uh, the community that God has around her and the group of people to just love on her one family after another. Uh, and it's uh, really exciting today that we can say that uh, she's been baptized. Uh, she's found another job, found a management role, uh, now has a place to live and is no longer homeless. Her son is uh, back engaged uh, in normal things in life. So just really exciting to see the full restoration of how a city can come around, even some of the people in our in our midst that are going through the hardest of times, uh, and that the local church, which is people, not a place, not a building, uh, but the people in our great city uh, have the ability to really be the hope of Christ uh, to our community. So just wanted to share that with you guys. We're still celebrating it, that's for sure. Thanks for letting us be with you. Yes, sir. Thank you for being here today. All right, we have a presentation, uh, Lieutenant Constantine, presentation from the Salvation Army, the Red Kettle Mayoral Challenge, the trophy presentation, and we are not in Arlington. TCU purple or not, we're going to win. <laughs> hey, Tony, how are you? I'm good. Well, friends, it's um, a great privilege for us. It's becoming a great tradition for us to be here um, in uh, January, the first meeting uh, for the city council of the calendar year. And uh, it's our greatest privilege this um, evening to present uh, the city of Mansfield, uh, the mayor and his uh, entire team with this wonderful trophy, and to announce that the winner of the 14th mayoral challenge is the wonderful um, city of Mansfield with 125 and $230,000 raised. God This is, this is the highest amount that has ever been raised uh, in the history of the mayoral challenge. So I don't know, guys, how you do it every year. This is something remarkable. Uh, this is something great, but it's a great blessing um, to the people that we serve together. And uh, it's, a, it's a great blessing not just to the Salvation Army, but to the entire community, which gets to keep the money and uh, where we um, return the money, serving uh, the lost and the least. So thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. And as we say all the time, we know that we can't do it without teamwork. So we appreciate uh, David Cook, our state representative. We know that uh, without uh, that partnership and that connection, it would not happen. So we appreciate him. We know that he is hard at work now in Austin uh, representing uh, District 96. But we appreciate him. We've got Tammy from the office. And uh, I think it's what else? we got some more. All right. Yeah, National Way donation. How much is, oh, I, that looks like $25,000. All right, so that's more money. Yes, 
We appreciate that, and we appreciate the great work that the Salvation Army does. So let's give them a hand for the great work that they do. All right. All right. Well, we're ready to take it. That's what Mayor Ross gets for giving us a hard time. Bless his heart. All right, moving right along. We are at item 11, citizens' uh, comments. Citizens wishing to uh, address the council on non-public hearing agenda items and items not on the agenda, you may do so at this time. Uh, due to the regulations of the uh, Texas Open Meetings Act, please do not expect a response from the councils, we're not able to do so. This will be your only opportunity to speak unless you are speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. After the close of the citizen comment portion of the meeting, only comments related to a public hearings will be heard. All comments are limited to five minutes. In order to be recognized during citizen comments or during a public hearing, and that's applicants included, Please complete a blue or yellow card located at the entrance of the chambers and present it to the Assistant City Secretary seated at my right and at your left. As a reminder, this will be your only opportunity unless you are speaking on a scheduled public hearing item. Council may not respond due to regulations of the Texas Open Meetings Act. Susanna, as a matter of fact, we need to say welcome back to you, Ms. Merritt. Do we have any cards, ma'am? All right. Day. We'll keep pressing on. All right, council announcements. Ms. Short. All right, Mr. Lewis. All right, Mr. Tenor. Ms. Bounds. Mr. Brosh. All right, and none for me. All right, item 13, subcommittee reports, minutes, uh, item 22-5125, approval of the December 12th 2022 TIF reinvestment zone number one board meeting minutes and that will only be uh, of course voted on by members of the subcommittee and our chair is Mr. Brosh. Thank you Mayor. This uh, caught me back by surprise here. Uh, we did meet uh, Layman, Mr. Tenori, yourself, and I did uh, here, and uh, we had uh, uh, the, uh, I'm 
sorry, I can't remember the name, but we had uh, our representative from Ellis County. Yes. And uh, uh, that presented a quorum. We were able to discuss uh, the uh, the business of, I'm sorry, it did catch me off guard. I, I have not uh, uh, looked at this since Thursday, but I believe it was the, uh, um, can't think of the name, Matt. It was, was the creation of the Terrors Number 4. And the, partici the participation agreement that the city council uh, voted on last month. Thank you. Yes, sir. That's right. We did. We voted. We voted in the affirmative rec to recommend that uh, to the council. So uh, thank you very much. We, we've had an entire holiday season. So. Se senior moment with the holidays. No, no it's the holidays. I'm, no, no, we've all been there. I'll, I'll agree to that. Uh, so with that, I would... Uh, Ask for a motion. Uh, motion to approve. Okay. Thank you. And second. Second. Uh, okay. Thank you. So, Todd, on the motion, second by Mr. Frosch. All right. Questions? Hearing none, please cast your vote. All right. That item carries 3 0. Staff comments. Mr. Smolinski, do we have any? No, we don't. All right. Item 15. Is there any action to take pursuant to executive session? Yes, Mayor. Yes, sir. First of all, I'd like to thank all the applicants that applied for the uh, MEDC board. Uh, you were all very, very, uh, very good and look forward to you to applying to future uh, MEDC boards. So at this time, Mayor, I'd like to make a motion to appoint Todd Simmons to the MEDC board to fulfill uh, the seat of Larry Kloss's unexpired term. All right, thank you very much. It's a motion. Second. Second by Ms. Short, thank you so much. Question, hearing none, please cast your vote. And that item carries 6-0. Thank you very much. Is there another action? Mayor. Item? Yes, ma'am. I'd like to make a motion to authorize the city manager to negotiate, finalize, and execute a contract of sale for real property as discussed in executive session. All right. Second. Thank you. Second by Ms. Short. Question. Hearing none, please cast your vote. All right. Then item carries 5-0, of course, with uh, one abstention. Excuse me. One abstention. All right, thank you very much. All right, item 16 is our consent agenda and all matters listed under the consent agenda have been previously discussed. They require little or no deliberation or are considered to be routine by the council. If discussion is desired, then an item will be removed from the consent agenda and considered separately. Otherwise, approval of the consent agenda authorizes the city manager to implement each item in accordance with staff's recommendation. Council, are there any items that you would like to remove? Hearing none, seeing none, I'm prepared to receive a motion. Approved. Ms. Short. Second. Ms. Bounds, thank you. Questions? Hearing none, please cast a vote. And the item carries 6-0. Thank you very much. 
Moving to item 17, item 22-5106, resolution of the City of Mansfield, Texas, approving an economic development agreement between the City of Mansfield, the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, and Crystal Window and Door Systems, authorizing the City Manager and MEDC President to execute said agreement and providing an effective date. Mr. Moore. Thank you, Mayor. Council, as mentioned uh, in the last meeting, we are finalizing the negotiation of the, of the agreement based on the terms that you've already authorized us to proceed. And so we need one more meeting uh, to be able to finalize those, those agreements based on the definition. So we're asking that you table this to the January 23rd meeting. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. All right, receive a motion to table, please. Motion to table to the January 23rd meeting. Second. Thank you, Ms. Short. Thank you, Mr. Rosh. Questions? Hearing none, please cast your vote. Item carries 6-0. All right, item 18, a public hearing and first reading. Item 22-5110, ordinance public hearing and first and final reading of an ordinance uh, amending Chapter 155, zoning of the Mansfield Code of Ordinances to revise the permitted use a table in section 155.054B and the special conditions in the section 155.099B40 related to donation boxes. Mr. Alexander. Thank you, Honorable Mayor. Good evening, City Council. Yes, there have been some additional considerations that have come to light with these proposed revisions. Staff would respectfully request that City Council table this item until the January 23rd meeting. Thank you very much. Questions, hearing none, seeing none. All right, we can open it. Open our public hearing at uh, 724. Close it at 724. All right, I'm ready to receive a motion. Move to table to January 23rd. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Second. Thank you, Mr. Lewis and Ms. All right. All right. Questions, hearing none, you may cast your votes. All right, that carries, motion to table carries 6-0. Thank you very much. Move to item 19, that would be a new business, item 22-5077, ordinance, an ordinance of the city of Mansfield, Texas, amending chapter 116.03, a revocation of permit, providing that this ordinance shall be cumulative of all ordinances, providing a severability clause, providing a penalty for violation, providing for the publication as required by law, and providing an effective date. Ms. Nicolette. Mayor, this item is a companion item to the one before it, so yes. if you advise the city attorney, we'd ask a request that council table this until the next meeting as well. All Motion right. to table until January 23rd. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. I receive a second, please. Second. All right, Mr. Brosh. All right, questions. Hearing none, please cast your vote. And the motion to table carries 6-0. All right, item 22-5107, a resolution, resolution of the City of Mansfield, Texas, approving an economic development agreement between the uh, City of Mansfield, Texas, Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, the Board of Directors of Reinvestment Zone Number one 
and the Admiral Legacy LLC, authorizing the city manager, MEDC president, and TERS number one board chair to execute said agreement and providing an effective date. Mr. Moore. Thank you, Mayor. Council, this item before you is an exciting one. Uh, this is our pioneer project for the innovation corridor along Heritage Parkway. So I'm excited to bring this before you with an economic development agreement. Our private developer partner is here if you'd like to have any questions for the, the developer with Admiral Legacy. Uh, but to, uh, to give you the, the, the quick background, this is a, a project on 17 acres that are currently owned by MEDC. It's located within a TERS number one. And the project anticipates a mixed use development with first phase being that of class A office. And that would be a five story, 150,000 square feet. Because we don't have the market today in the Class A office space, there are incentives that are required to help build this innovation hub. And that's exactly what this economic development agreement aims to do. The terms of the agreement are that the MEDC would sell the property to Admiral Legacy uh, with the conditions uh, in place that uh, the development is financially feasible. The MED MEDC would provide an infrastructure grant uh, based on both public and private infrastructure in an amount not to exceed 7.5 million. And that is milestoned uh, throughout the phases of the project. And so as they hit different milestones, those percentage of funds are awarded. And then there's two other components, a master lease of 50% of the building um, that would anticipate a specific market price based on uh, market rents and then because those market rents don't exist today we don't have a class a office market uh, rent like, like we would with other capital markets we are uh, working with the developer to backstop the gap and so that was the rental gap that we have now the ideal scenario is that we lease this building up before it even goes gets built the worst case is that nobody leases it and we're on the hook um, what we've talked to you about before is this, the private development that the tax revenue generated in the, into the TERS is sufficient to cover those gaps. But what we're, we're going to do is use MEDC to front that lease. And then as we fill the building and the spaces, the TERS revenue that comes in will pay us back. So that's how the, the agreement is contemplated. Uh, Developers here, if you have specific questions for them, the, the first step would be the city's going to rezone the property as, as the current owner uh, to SOMA and to move that forward uh, on behalf of the public-private partnership. And we would be working with their schematic design folks immediately thereafter. Any questions on this? All right, council, are there any questions? Ms. Short? I just wanted to make a comment. Um, we got to tour their development up around McKinney. I can't remember exactly which city we were in, but it is outstanding. It is completely impressive. It is uh, having something like that here in Mansfield. I, our citizens will be very proud. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this project finished. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Mr. Lewis. Uh, second Councilwoman Short's comments um, and just say this is a, a unique piece of land where our city manager and MEDC staff jumped in and and when we're proactive about trying to recruit the types of development that we would like to see um, and, and take those efforts, it, it starts paying off in 
projects like this is kicking off the innovation corridor. So I think it's uh, great. A uh, couple of questions just that I know will probably come out. Um, MEDC you're, is backstopping some of the, the rent, which obviously we, we're pretty confident based on discussions you've had with everybody from the hospitals to tech companies and anybody that you've tried to recruit says, yeah, we'd love to be in Mansfield, but you don't have a place for us today, so we can't, we can't move there today. This solves that problem. If we have a place for them, they're easily able to get in. Um, but like MEDC has a place in downtown right now, which is where your headquarters are. Do you, uh, do you foresee 10 years from now that being the MEDC offices? I would hope so. Yeah. The, the, no, downtown Mansfield. Oh, downtown, I think the new, yeah. the new. Yeah, the, the, the old building in downtown. No. You probably like three years from now, four years from now, do you see that being the MEDC offices? No. Okay, cool. So there's likely, that's one of our major pieces of redevelopment in historic downtown, right? That's correct. So if for some reason we didn't lease this up and the MEDC is backstopping it, you guys have a home. That's right. right. As that redevelops. Okay, thank you. All right, are there any others? All right. Mr. Moore, I want to thank you uh, just for the great work that uh, you've done on this particular project, you and your staff. Uh, also, um, Mr. James Sellers and uh, other community partners. Uh, that would include uh, UTA, both of our hospitals, Texas A&M, TCC, MISD. Uh, just um, outstanding. And I, I just want to echo my partners. I think um, we're 100% uh, placing ourselves in a place where people will see Mansfield as a uh, innovative city and uh, also a place where ideas can be born and they can also be produced. So thank you very much for the great work that you've done uh, in this area. So thanks thank a lot. Thank you. All right. I'm ready to uh, receive a motion. Move to approve. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Second. Thank you, Ms. Short. Questions? Hearing none. All right. That item carries six zero. Uh, item 22-5115, uh, at the uh, request of the applicant, uh, the item has been withdrawn. Uh, am I correct there, Mr. Alexander? Yes, sir, Mayor, correct. All right. All right, Council, with that in mind, we can move to uh, item 20. Motion to adjourn. All right, Mr. Lewis. Second. Second, thank you. Bounds. All right, happy day. Happy day. All right, that carries 6 0. We are adjourned at 7 33 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great evening. Go, frogs. Go put your purple on. <laughs>